The Rams may have found a hidden gem at tight end, and no one's talking about them. And which Rams tight ends will make the 53-man roster? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you want to check out the video version of the show, find us on YouTube, join the party, just hit 7K subscribers, so hit that subscribe button, and let us know what are your thoughts on the Rams tight end room right now. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade. The Lakers for SI, the Dodgers for Dodgers Nation. Now I'm covering the Rams for Locked On. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio station, ESPN 710 LA. He's entered his eighth season covering the team. He's the people's champ, the Travis Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. Now, Travis Later in the show, we got the top five most random Rams, but we are starting with the tight end room. Which Rams will make that 53-man roster? But we're going to start with how should the Rams use that tight end position here in 2023? You ready to rock, my man? I can't wait. Getting closer and closer to the start of the season. I'm ready to go. Yeah, so if you look at this tight end position, I think the first thing that sticks out to me is I think the Rams have to go back to using more 12 personnel this season. I think you need to reestablish that run. And I think you saw it in the years past, just a few tight ends. I think there's a chance they could take four tight ends this season. But I think you kind of rewind a little bit. You look at before Sean McVay became the head coach of the Rams. This team was second to last in rushing in the NFL. He takes over. They jump all the way up to eighth. You saw in 2018, one of the best in the game. I think one of the big key... Reasons for that is the tight end, the tight end usage. I think they have to go back to that 12 personnel a little more this season. Yeah, I don't think that that's a bad idea. We've seen Sean McVay, right, where he wants his three wide receivers. He wants his one tight end. He wants his one running back. And that's clearly the 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 personnel grouping that he favors the most. That's the one that they go to the most. I, I, I'm incredibly curious what they could do with a tight end if everything else were clicking at the highest level, because we still haven't seen it yet. We know that this the McVay offense favors a tight end. We know that they want to use a tight end. We've seen it in in little fits and starts here and there with, uh, with, with Tyler Higby, where he's had some very big games, but it hasn't been necessarily sustainable over a long period of time. But, you know, last year I think was a was was one you can almost throw out the window. I don't think it has anything to do with what they're going to do previously or what they're going to do moving forward. That the offensive line was so badly in need of extra help that they basically used the tight end position as a sixth offensive lineman. That they very very rarely used him to to attack at all. So I I, I think that what you're suggesting, Doug, is a good idea. I think that maybe we'll see it, but. You know, like everything else that we've talked about really on this side of the ball, it all starts with what the offensive line is doing. If those five guys can hold up, it gives you a ton of options with the tight end. 
Yeah, no, I think the tight end position, of course, it's not one of the more glamorous positions in the NFL, but it's absolutely vital. I always say the tight end is like having a good bass player in a band. You don't notice it until you have a bad one that's really not <laughs> producing. But if you look at the Rams last year, I mean, towards the end of the season, that's when they got the running game going. You saw them averaging over 102 yards per game in their last yep. four. And one of the big reasons why is you did go to that 12 personnel, but they only use it 4% of the time last season. So we're talking about a running back and two tight ends. You get a bigger front, more balance. The defense has to account for that tight end. I think, too, to reestablish the play-action pass, you're going to need yeah. that. But if you look at some of these guys, we've got to start with Tyler Higby. So Tyler Higby. Before we move to Tyler Higby, I just want to kind of one throw one thing in there again because you talked about how infrequently they used it last year and how they're running uh, the end of the season there. I really do think that that you, me, and everybody that follows the Rams needs to really be aware of how bizarre last season was. That what happened last year has nothing to do with what they what, what they are or what they're hoping to be because they went through, you know, God only knows how many offensive line combinations. I think it wasn't until week 14 that they had the same five guys up front two weeks in a row. That this is not what they wanted to do. It's what they had to do. That this was something that, they, whether it's two tight ends, whether it's three, we saw them go jumbo a handful of times along the way, that what they did last year is almost a just just throw it in the trash and don't use it as a predicate or an indicator of what may come next. No, that's a fantastic point, Travis. And I think when you look at this team's identity towards the end and the focus to reestablishing the run, par that had to do with kind of getting back to their roots. But yeah, it's tough to really take anything from last season with all the injuries, all the offensive line combinations and say, okay, what they all did the last year is any indication what they're going to do this year. Right, and all the quarterbacks, too. I mean, they, they, they played four different starting quarterbacks last year. So to just have the quarterback turning the right way and handing it to the right guy and knowing which reads to go to with, you know, 14, 15 different offensive linemen that came through there, four different quarterbacks, the wide receiver groupings that changed. It's just none of it is going to be like, oh, I saw this last year. Now, maybe they found some personnel here or there that may work, but as far as uh, – Game planning and strategy and, and just schematics, I don't think that there's going to be much connectivity from 2022 to 2023. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. I do think you look at the schematics, I don't think you're going to take too much from last season, but I think moving forward, it does feel like there's going to be a concerted effort to get back to reestablishing the run. And one way yeah. you do that is you emphasize the tight end position. So Tyler Higby, of course, this is a guy, I mean, it's kind of wild to think he's entering his eighth season with the Rams. I mean, he's a franchise leader in career yards, touchdowns, receptions. Last year, top 10 finisher receiving yardage among tight ends with 620 yards, had three touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that was productive last season. If he's healthy with a Matthew Stafford, a better offensive line, I could possibly envision him having 90 catches. But this is a guy that really it starts with him as a tight end. He's a free agent after this season. So it's going to have to be a big year from Higby in 2023. Yeah, look, he's he's incredibly important to what they do. That This is somebody that has, is as familiar with the McVay offense as, uh, other than maybe Cooper Cup than anyone else on this team. They've been there a long time. And, and like we mentioned earlier, He's had really big moments. He's a, he's a very athletic guy. He can run. He's got pretty good hands. He's he's a big, powerful guy in open space. He's hard to get down on the ground. You know, you're not talking about a, a Travis Kelsey situation or something like that, but this is a good NFL tight end. The Rams have kept him for a long time for a reason. It's because he fits into what they do. I would just love to see an opportunity for him that really allowed them to focus, right, to, 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 to highlight him because – 
we've seen Odell Beckham Jr. and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks and probably one or two other guys that I'm forgetting to throw in there, Van Jefferson to a, a certain degree. So the, the emphasis has always been on this wide receiver group that they really haven't had the opportunity to really feature the tight end and Higby in particular. But I think he's a really good player. I, I think the fact that what they've gone and done, whether it's with the draft, whether it's with free agency, whether it's with trades, they really haven't tried to go out and find additional help at the tight end position. And I think it speaks to their satisfaction with Tyler Higby. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point there and that, yeah, they really don't have a true established number two. And I think because of that, he could eat this season. He could definitely benefit and have his most productive season of his career. But also, when it comes to the running game, I want to see him get down and dirty. I mean, there have been times during his career where he's impressed as a run blocker, but really he's a solid run blocker, not a great run blocker. Right. I think you look at the past, you mentioned too, the fact that he knows Sean McVay's system. He knows the plays they run. He's going to be absolutely imperative when LA runs those wide zone plays. We see him do an adequate job sealing off the edge, just kind of getting the next level of the defense. So I think if you combine that, he could be the guy. I think, yes, he's going to compliment Cup and Stafford, absolutely. But I think possibly his biggest impact on this team, outside, of course, just being a catching tight end, is kind of just setting the tone as a blocker, especially for these younger guys, they're going to be behind them. Yep, I think you're right. And depending on what that offensive line looks like, you know, if it's like last year, then nothing else really matters because you're just going to try to survive each week and, and, and get to the next week. But if they hold up, and then you can add him to whether it's the running attack, whether it's the run blocking, whether it's putting him in the passing game, I think that that's, that's a real opportunity for him. I think that, you know, I, I keep coming back to this word with him. He's trustworthy. This is somebody that Sean McVay trusts. This is somebody that Matthew Stafford trusts, that there's something about that, that knowing the guy is going to go the right way, knowing that he's going to catch the ball, knowing that he's going to run around beyond the sticks, run, and just knowing those little things that a veteran player knows how to do a little bit better than a younger player. I, I, I think he's set up for a really good year with the giant, giant, you know, asterisk of the offensive line needs to be at least average to allow him to go to work. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I think contract season, getting back to their roots, setting up that play action pass. Look at the 2021 run. They had the running game going all postseason long until the Super Bowl when he was out. So Higby, I give him a 100% chance, an absolute lock to make this roster. Now we're oh, going to yeah. take a look at the rest of the tight ends. Who's going to make this 53-man roster? And is Hunter Long a diamond in the rough? Could he be a gem for the Rams? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. All right, before we do that, DMAC, let's talk about our pals at FanDuel, right? You can take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets. That would be up to $200. That's right. If you bet just $20, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to be at the first home run. All of this stuff is at FanDuel on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. And who does not like getting paid instantly? The answer is nobody. So get yourself to FanDuel. Take a look at some of those Take a look at some of those odds. Is Otani going to stay in Anaheim? Is he going to move? Where is he going to move? The MVP odds, do those change? There's no better place to place a bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Yeah, just trade Otani to the Dodgers already. Let's get this over with. He's going to be there eventually, right? So let's just get it done a couple of months ahead of schedule, and everybody wins except for the Angels, obviously. Good. 
do it for baseball, free Otani. But right. we are off and running here on Lockdown Rams. Thank you for making Lockdown Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. And a special shout out to our everyday listeners. We appreciate you. And you can be an everyday listener too. Just hit that subscribe button, listen to every day, and you will not miss a thing about your LA Rams. Also, find us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and let us know who you want to see make this team out of the tight ends. Let us know. Now, here in our second segment, Travis, we're going to go down this list. We're going to start right away with Bryson Hopkins. Now, Bryson Hopkins, this is a guy that hasn't quite reached his potential. We know that last year he had just seven receptions for 109 yards. Most of those come against the Broncos where he caught three balls for 57 yards. But if you look at some advanced stuff, I mean, among tight ends with at least 10 targets, his 15.6 yards per reception, 22 ranked second in the NFL, his 10.6 yards on average depth of target also ranked seventh. Now, I think the question for him becomes, hey, this is a make or break year, right? You have to find a way to have success this year, or you could say, hey, it just hasn't worked out from a developmental standpoint with Hopkins. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think that, that you know, depending on how you want to look at this, the optimistic view is there are going to be opportunities, right? I think there are going to be opportunities for everybody at the tight end position to find a, a role on this team behind Tyler Higby. Higby is, you know, very, very likely to be the starter. So you're looking at that tight end two, tight end three, and special teams and opportunities that are there that are going to come with it because, you know, injuries are a part of the NFL and everything that comes along with it. There are tons of opportunities, and Bryson Hopkins is probably the guy that's got the first shot at it. That's the optimistic view. The pessimistic view, or the more... I would argue realistic view is you've been here for a while and it hasn't happened. So why is this going to be different? Right. That, 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 that if I've seen you for a handful of times and it hasn't happened and there was nothing but opportunity last year and it didn't happen. Why is it going to happen this year? Now, sometimes guys find it at a different point in their career and maybe it's getting, it's getting ready to go. But I, I tend to skew towards more of the if you've been in the program for a while, if you've been in the organization and you've been given some opportunities, but it just doesn't kind of click and start to happen for you. I don't know if it's going to. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the honest outlook of his career so far. I think one thing you can say is tight end is one of the positions that it's one of the more difficult positions to transition to from college to the NFL. Maybe the light switch goes on, but he's had ample opportunities and he has eight career receptions in the regular season. So not enough production. I was so encouraged by what we saw in Super Bowl 56, right? Had four catches for 47 yards. And he was the guy in Super Bowl 56 on the game-winning drive that was really used as the decoy to get Von Bell away down yeah. on Matthew Stafford's iconic no-look pass. Yeah. And I'm thinking he had the big block on fourth down. I was moving the chains. I mean, to me, I was like, this is going to be the guy in the future. Well, it's it's a really good you know point because there's there's ability there. And, and, and I think it spoke to, again, and not, not to get too far off the topic here, it speaks to just how unreal that final drive was for the Rams to win the Super Bowl because you were using guys like Hopkins. It was basically cup on every single play, whether they're doing a little, you know, a little jet sweep, whether they're throwing it from the fade, whether they're doing all these things that it was cup, 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 that Hopkins was even on the field in that position, in that point of the game, I think speaks to how crazy it was. But your point is a good one. Look, he, he made plays when he had to make plays. He got things done when you had to get things done. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I'm a big believer in when it's going to have the when when you had that chance. He had it. He, he was there. It ha- and then nothing, right? Just nothing yeah. after that. It's just okay. So something. This is one of these times where 
Maybe it's something that you and I don't pick up on. Maybe it's something that the average football fan doesn't pick up on, but that there's something missing that Sean McVay has to have. I think he might fall into that category. Yeah, that's what you love about sports. You never know when your name is going to get called. No. You never know when you're going to be that guy on the big stage. Just ask your boy, Austin Barnes, getting that base hit off of Blake Snell <laughs> to knock him out of the game in game six of the 2020 World Series. Yeah. He really has had like two hits since. So, yeah, I mean, one thing I will say, though, is Kevin we're talking Cash about some the run blocking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just Kevin Cash taking Snell out of that game. I still feel like I should send him a card every month and say, hey, you know, I really appreciate you taking out a guy who'd just been wrecking people all night long. Thank you for doing that. You got Kevin Cash, man. It's a thing now. So, yeah, <laughs> he took Blake Snell's soul that night. But I will say, though, last season, he was the best run-blocking tight end on the Rams with a grade of 62.7. That was 20th out of 57 qualifying tight ends. So not great, but still the best that the Rams had now. Roster status, I think still 90% chance he'll make the yeah. team. I think there is a chance they do take four tight ends. But we're going to talk about Hunter Long. So I think this is really interesting to me because, I mean, you look at Hunter Long and you say, okay, the Jalen Ramsey trade is just about getting off that contract and saving as much money as you possibly can because you're going to go in a different direction. But Hunter Long, I think there is a possibility. I mean, look at some of his highlights some of his games last night. I mean, third-round pick by the Dolphins out of Boston College in 2021. Two years in the NFL, he's caught exactly one ball for eight yards. So, <laughs> yes, you got Mike Zicky doing the, the gritty down there with the Dolphins, but still, he just has not had his moment in the NFL. But I think the tools are there. The physical tools in town, I think, is there. Just can the Rams extract that from it? Yeah, I think there's two things going on here as well. The, the Rams, when they made the Jalen Ramsey trade, they – they basically were going to get somebody like this, that who do you want, right? That this was not going to be a, a, a Jalen Ramsey type talent coming back the other way. This was going to be a, here, you take them. We're going in a different direction. We want to do something different. That they chose a tight end as that guy, I think speaks to their desire to have more talent at that position. Whether or not he becomes that guy, I think goes back to what you were talking about statistically, Doug, where he's caught one ball. Right. That, that, and, and I get it. He's in a spot where they have another guy in front of him that's doing some things that make it harder for him to get some opportunities. But one, you know, it's it just at, at some point, it's just like, OK, you, you are what you are. Uh, you're kind of a throw in at this point. You have not had a great spot. Now, like we've talked about before, opportunities are all over this roster. Get out there, make some plays, earn the trust of Matthew Stafford, earn the trust of Sean McVay. And some things can change from there. But uh, Hunter Long, I don't know if he's somebody that I've got my eye on coming into this as somebody who could break out. I think he makes the team. I think he's probably somebody that you can use for depth, somebody that you could use potentially on special teams. But the chances for him to pop, I think, are low. Yeah, my read on it is that, hey, they were saying, can we get the guy that has the biggest upside? And the, the Rams yeah. actually scouted him in 2021. They interviewed him. So he was on their radar for years. And his relative athletic score, 858, a 58.6 run blocking grade and 83 snaps. So athletically, he definitely has something to be interested. He definitely is intriguing from that standpoint. If the light does turn on, maybe you say, hey, you don't need to have four tight ends. Maybe you have three tight ends it's between him and Hopkins as to a three tight end mix and I think yeah. Davis Allen's going to make the team but I think it's going to be very interesting moving forward I give him an 84% chance to make the roster only reason I'm saying 84 because that's the number he wore so 84% <laughs> so we'll go with that works now, for next me. one Davis okay where you said Travis I just said it works for me it's as good a reason as any hey why not I just say like, let's uh, let's just go yeah. with it but <laughs> this one so Davis Allen 
a little interesting nugget about Davis Allen because we kind of got to go back. Our everyday listeners will know we like talking about Georgia and at the fact that yeah. they are the AAA OKC Dodgers for the Rams. <laughs> of course, they both win championships, so it's a nice pipeline. And he didn't go to Georgia. He went to Clemson, actually. The second most touchdowns by a tight end in Clemson history did Davis Allen have. But his dad, John Allen, played linebacker for the Georgia Bulldogs. He was a team captain in 1991. So that's our Georgia connection for Davis Allen. Well, he's uh, probably a former teammate of uh, Stetson Bennett's, right? If he was in the early nineties, <laughs> then there it is. they were probably together as well. No, I I, I agree with you, and, and I'm a believer in this. It doesn't mean that talent can't come from smaller schools or some some maybe some schools towards the bottom half of the bigger conferences. But if you can make plays at Clemson, I'm interested. If if you can make plays against the best teams in the country, because when you're going up against some of these other heavyweights, they got NFL players on that side of the ball too. So they're going to be able to match up NFL talent to NFL talent. And if you can survive in that environment, you, you, you have my attention. Now we'll see what happens after that, but I do like guys that have the pedigree of coming from the bigger schools. I really do. Yeah, no, strong hands, great catch radius. The Rams took him with the 175th pick in the fifth round. They're clearly going to keep him on this yeah. roster. And I agree with you on that. I think college pedigree at this point, it, I think, carries more weight because you're playing better teams later. You got the conference championship. You got the playoffs. We saw Dabo Sweeney, what he's building down in Clemson. He's recruiting four- and five-star athletes. Yeah. So Davis Allen, a lot of leaders on that team. So I definitely have high hopes for him. And, yeah, last season, the Rams, they kept just two tight ends in their roster entering week one. I think they're going to double that, raise it to four this season. I know that's a big adjustment, but I think – you're kind of going to get a little more versatility. You're going to get a heavier package with more big bodies and give yourself a little more dynamic look with a different variety of tight ends. Well, I, I think you're right. And knowing what's going on on the other side of the ball, knowing what's happening defensively for the Rams, they're going to have to score a bunch of points. So they're going to have to find somebody that can make plays offensively, somebody that's going to be able to, to improve the running game, whether you're a better run blocker than the guy ahead of you, behind you. I think it's going to have a great deal of impact. But this is a team that if the Rams are going to win games and the Rams are going to get into the playoffs and the Rams are going to surprise a lot of people with what they have coming into the 2023 season, they're going to have to score a ton of points and they can't all come from Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup and Cam Akers are going to are going to score the lion's share of the points because they're the two best offensive players on this team. But somebody else is going to have to do it, and that somebody else could easily be one of these tight ends that we're talking about. Yeah, no, great point. I think you don't have those receivers you can trust yet. Maybe they do emerge. Maybe Van Jefferson is a legitimate one or a legitimate two. Maybe the wide receiver three step up. But right now, yeah. there is an opening for the tight ends to one, catch some passes, reestablish the run, and you get this tight end group emerging. I think, yeah, it does seem like it could be a lot with four tight ends, but I think they end up going with four. They could take three, but I think you got Higby a lock. You're going to keep Allen. Hunter Long has the potential, has the upside. He was a third-round pick. If you're a third-round pick, you have town. I think Bryson yep. Hopkins in a walk here. He comes back, and you got four tight ends on that 53-man roster. But, uh, Travis, here in our final segment, we're going to head to this. We're going to talk about the five most random Rams like in Rams history. That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. And Travis here in our third and final segment, we're talking about Baker Mayfield. We got the top five most random Rams here in a second, but I just wanted to wax a little poetic, romanticize about the Baker Mayfield era in sure. Los Angeles. He was at a golf tournament and he told reporters, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. It was the first time I had fun playing football in years. It brought back that feeling of having that success and really remembering what it was all about. Kind of hit the reset button for me. Now, Travis, you were in the house 
you experienced that in real time two days after the he was waived by the Panthers. He signs yeah. with the Rams, a three and nine team. He comes off the bench. He goes 22 for 35 for 230 yards, and he eventually leads him on that 98 yard game winning drive. What do you remember from that game, Travis? I, well, when the Raiders punted the ball away and the Rams got it down, you know, I, like you said, you know, and basically on their own goal line, and they got to drive the length of the field with a quarterback that's been in the building for about six seconds with an offensive line that doesn't work, with a bunch of wide receivers that don't work, and yeah, go win us a game. And he did it. I remember getting ready to do the postgame show and looking at Kirk Morrison, my partner, and saying, what the heck did we just look at? Like, I can't believe that this guy came in and did what he did. And more than any particular pass that he threw, more than any sort of, you know, football play, it was the energy that he brought into the place. It was just this. And look, Baker Mayfield has not had a ton of success in the NFL, but he's got this swagger. He's got this aura that he walks around with that is incredibly magnetic. You really are drawn to watch him now. When he throws interceptions, you're like, dude, why are you walking around like that? You just threw it to the wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah. team. But when it's working, it's like, yeah, let's go. This is my guy. He was only here for about six seconds in the grand scheme of things, and I think we'll get a better appreciation for what he did. A Rams team last year was really not very good at all. He went two and three over the five games that he had, which is you know pretty darn good considering this team only won five games all season, and he had a couple of them with virtually no prep. I give Baker Mayfield a lot of credit for doing what he did in L.A. Yeah, he was an absolute breath of fresh air for a Rams team that needed. They were on a six-game losing streak. It was 15 for 20 in the fourth quarter. 98-yard scoring drive was actually the longest go-ahead TD drive that began the final two minutes in over 45 years. So it was historic, that 23-yard scoring pass to Van Jefferson with 10 seconds. It reminded me at one time I was at the beach in Santa Monica, and they needed an extra guy to play. They were playing football, and I just stepped in there, threw some touchdowns. I got the dub. It was like kind of – I mean, I kind of share – that same feeling with like was Johnny Utah from Point Break. You just come out of the beach and you start slinging touchdowns all over the place. Exactly, man. Johnny Utah, the Buckeye. <laughs> but now we're going to talk about the top five Rams ever because he's definitely up there. It's kind of maybe think yeah. of this list. Who are the top five most random Rams ever? I'm going to run off my list. You can react to it, Travis. And really, this list is a combination of random, how high profile they are, really, of course and just kind of what they were able to do. So we'll start yeah. quickly. Uh, honorable mention, go Ron Jaworski, drafted by the Rams the second round at Youngstown State, helped the Rams reach the NFC Championship game as a backup quarterback. And how about Wes Welker coming at number five? Eight <laughs> games, 13 catches, 102 yards. What do you remember from the Wes Welker era in St. Louis? I will be honest, Doug, until you told me that Wes Welker was on the Rams about 10 seconds ago, I did not know that he had put on the Rams horns at any point in his career. I think of Wes Welker as a uh, Charger. I think of him as a Patriot, a little bit as a Miami Dolphin, but now I will think of him at least briefly as a member of the Rams. Yeah, no, I mean, that's where his legacy's at, for sure. Then coming in at number four, this one hurts. This one almost feels a little like the Pedro Martinez of the uh -oh. Rams a little bit. I'm talking about Jerome Bettis, okay? Yeah. The bus that everyone wanted to miss. Of course, the Rams' number 10 pick. He plays one year on the turf at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, and he just leaves the Rams. What are your thoughts on kind of Jerome Bettis and his time with the Rams and how he goes on to have a Hall of Fame career with Pittsburgh? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I have very vivid memories of Jerome Bettis as a member of the Rams. And, you know, coming out of Notre Dame, there was high hopes for him and he was going to be a, a good player. And the next thing you know, he's in Pittsburgh because he got off to a great start with the Rams. And I remember, thinking, okay, they got a guy that they can really kind of lean on. The NFL was played very differently back then. It wasn't where you're going to chuck it 50 times a game. You're going to really lean on that running game. And Bettis was a, a horse, never mind a bus. He was just a big, strong dude that could really do a lot of work work and when he left it was it was disappointing now what they got going eventually afterwards certainly was pretty exciting as well but uh i like jerome bettis on the rams i remember it fondly yeah it'd be nice if he stayed and had that hall of fame career for yeah. the rams and coming at number three the aforementioned baker mayfield like you said he goes two and three five games 850 yards four touchdowns so we won't dive too deep into his time with the rams but yeah just kind of looking back it was just kind of funny just to see him in that rams uniform it almost felt like he didn't realize he was even wearing it at the time it was just kind of wearing him it almost felt like but yeah i mean great memories just provide that spark and then number two broadway joe comes to hollywood joe oh, yeah. named 1977 he goes two and two 606 yards three touchdowns Really, when you think of Broadway Joe, the most iconic image, it's not the going off the field with the the one in the air. It's him as a Ram. Am I right? It's it, okay. So you said 1977. <laughs> I'm six years old in 1977. I remember the Rams getting Joe Namath. I remember oh, wow. being oddly like Joe Namath. Like I didn't understand how athletics worked at the time, where guys get older and they get hurt and they get worse, and that you don't want a guy at the end of his career. <laughs> That's not what you... So the name Joe Namath, on seeing him with the Rams jersey, with Namath on the back, was incredibly exciting to a young kid like myself. And I, I did, like, well, why isn't this working? We have Joe Namath. And the answer was because he could barely walk, but it was, uh, it was a very exciting time to be a Rams fan, at least if you were six years old and didn't know what you were looking at. Yeah, if you can get Joe Namath, you get Joe Namath. It's as simple as that, right? I mean, why not? But coming in at number one, had to go with this guy, one of my favorite actors ever, Terry Crews. Terry Crews, six games with the Rams. It was one of the greatest special teams tacklers of all times. I mean... I love how I was watching some highlights yesterday and you could tell that the, every time the announcer was reading his name, he was reading off a paper. He's like Terry Cruz. With the, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, cheeseburger Eddie, of course it ain't easy being cheesy. goes on to be an actor and uh, yeah, it's kind of wild to think that he was with the Rams. Yeah, no, I think of uh, his time in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Very funny guy. I, he's a he's a is a talented. He's he hosts things. He still looks great. Uh, I think he made the right decision, or or maybe somebody made the right decision before him. Say, you know what, this league may not be for you. It may be time for you to go into your second career, and his second career has become his best career. Yeah, and I love how after his NFL career, he pretended to be broke just to show Chris, Tanya, and Drew how the world works being a regular person living in Brooklyn, New York. I mean, that was just really deep by by Terry Chris Love Mads, Cheeseburger Eddie. But that is our top five most random Rams. And let us know down below which is your most random Ram you can think of. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And I was, as always, I'm joined by the people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. And it's Until next time, whose house is Locked on Rams house?